This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to hear your story. Obviously, you know, I I read your email and it just, it touched my heart so much. And I'm so excited to have you share your story with everybody. So Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to to be able to be where I'm at today so I can share. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and jump in and let's just kind of start with your story and start from the beginning. I live in Dallas, Texas with my husband, Brian, and our three daughters. We have teenage daughters. We have a 16-year-old, a 14 and 13-year-old. We've been here for about five years and we love it. We, we moved here because of my husband's job. He works for Southwest Airlines. It's been so great. So going back to the beginning, I grew up in a small Mormon town in Utah, Payson, Utah. Mm-hmm. And my husband grew up in Lehigh. We met, I think it was 2004. And then we were married in 2005. And um, I'd never really gone through anything hard. Like I had a pretty good childhood, like never really seen anything hard. You know, I'd, I'd heard about like trials, but I didn't really know what that meant, you know, other than like the small day-to-day things that we deal with. Let's see. My first real trial was when I had I had a miscarriage in between my oldest daughter and my next daughter. So when she was about nine months old, I found out that I was pregnant, and I um, was on birth control. Like we were not trying to get pregnant, so it was it was a shock, but we were excited, and then ended up going through that miscarriage and um, feeling like real despair and and real sadness and. And so I thought, you know, like, this is my trial in life. Like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done at that point. So then I, I went on to have two more children, two more babies. So I, I had all my babies within three years, including that miscarriage. So I was pregnant for four pregnancies in three years. You know, I think a lot of it was postpartum that maybe I didn't acknowledge or, or know about even at the time. But after I had had my third baby, I found a lump like on my throat and I found out that it was thyroid cancer, which um, I, I don't want to like minimize. Cause I know that people will listen to this. The success rate for thyroid cancer is like 99%. So it's really, it's treatable. You know, it's something that like puts like a little bump in your, your flow, but um, it's something that you can get through. And so, but for me at that time, it was really, really, hard because life was hard. You know, my husband, he was working, he was gone. He's a pilot. So he was gone all the time. And I just had these three little babies. So it spun me into a a depression and I had stopped going to church. Like I would, I would try to, to go to church as much as I could with my three little kids up until that point. And, and I was just so like angry with God. Like I, I, I couldn't imagine like why he would give me these three babies and then like punish me with cancer. Like, you know, like if, if God loves us, why would he give us like these trials? It was like a whole year of this. It was just a really dark time. I was sitting in another doctor's office and I, I was told that I needed to have a hysterectomy. 
they had found like another tumor inside my, my uterus. that was like the size of a softball. It was causing a lot of pain and it was something that was necessary. And so the doctor left the room for a minute and I started to pray. And I said, probably my first prayer that, that I had ever prayed in a, in a really long time. And I, I just prayed to know like what to do like is this really like my life like am I really like done having children like what what am I supposed to do and the answer like came just you know as a form of a thought and it was very clear that um you know my children were a gift that phrase like means so much like it's so simple but it like means so much to me because you know all this time like I had thought that like Heavenly Father wasn't aware of me and like he didn't care but he knew that I wasn't going to be able to have these children. And so he blessed me with them. And um, they came all at once, but they're here and they're great. And so then, you know, that I thought that that was like my my trial. You know, I've gone through like other health things along the way. And I won't bore you with my health history. But when I turned 37, so that was when I was 30, was when I was diagnosed with the thyroid cancer. Then at 37... I um, had a biopsy done on a lump in my breast and found out that it was cancer and then had more testing done, found out that it had already spread to my hip hip bone because it had like progressed. It was considered stage four. My first thought, instead of going back into myself, it was, I need to turn to my savior. Once I had that confirmation from that first prayer that heavenly father loves me and that he was aware of me, like it, it changed my, my whole life. Like I started going back to church faithfully. I was able to, to really start building a solid foundation for my testimony, you know, being told that I have stage four breast cancer. I mean, the statistics are like 28% make it to two years after diagnosis. And so it's like, you know, it's been five years now. And so that that's like a really big deal for me. So I went to my scriptures and I decided that I was going to, this is embarrassing to admit, but I had never read the Book of Mormon cover to cover prior to 37. I had always started many times. I think I'd get to like Alma and then start over because it'd been a while, you know. I, I decided that I was going to read the book, the book of Mormon during the year that it was going to take me to get through all of my treatments. I did like chemo, radiation, um, had four surgeries. And so, so I did, I started reading it and I got to like my very last radiation treatment. And the day before my last treatment, I had finished reading the Book of Mormon for the first time, cover to cover. It changed my life. And I have such like a strong testimony of the Book of Mormon. And since then, you know, I've been able to read it multiple times. I'm currently reading it now and there's just something about that comfort that that comes in and it sounds so it sounds so simple but it's so true like and and I I really believe that like when we go through these hard times in our lives it just humbles us to a place where we become so desperate that it's like we don't know what to do on our own like we can't do it on our own and so that's where we need like our savior to come and, and help us get that strength so that we can overcome our challenges. I so. have to tell you that this story, when I read your email, it was so meant to be because about maybe 
a month ago. My mother-in-law, she was having pain and she went into the hospital and she had a football size mass on her ovaries. And um, she has ovarian cancer and they removed, you know, did a hysterectomy, had the surgery. It was, she was in so much pain and she starts chemo in two weeks. I'm telling you, this woman would do anything for anybody. She is the type of person that calls me and says, Ashley, I'm going to come over and do all your wash today. So Ashley, I'm going to come over and like help you today. Tell me what you want me to do. And for her to feel so like helpless has been such a challenge for her because she's not used to that. She's used to being the helper. And I saw your email and it was like, so meant to be like you sent it at just that time because my whole, our family is, it's been so hard for us to like wrap our brain around what's going on with my mother-in-law. It makes life, like when you're describing this experience, it just like makes life so precious. The reality of the gift of life is so precious. Hearing you and just you coming on and sharing this, like you have no idea how much it means to me. And I just, I can't wait to share this with my, with my mother-in-law. And also my mom had breast cancer. So she had breast cancer, went through chemo. And so your story for me and for my mother-in-law and like for my mom, I just thank you. Like, anyway, I had, that was a total sidebar, but please continue. No, thank you for saying that. I, I feel like it's really hard to be vulnerable. For a while, I was starting to feel like I was a victim, like if I shared things. And so, cause I, you know, I, I've never been one to like share to like a large group of <laughs> people. I just have like a small following on Instagram and, and things like that. And so, you know, I would share things here and there. It's kind of wild that I reached out, especially like, I, I know that my story's it's a little different, like that I didn't completely leave the church, but I feel like we all struggle like in different areas. And I think that it's, it means so much, like when we can hear other people's stories and know that like, we're not alone and like, we're all just trying to help each other. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. the whole purpose of community. And like the church is, is that we're trying to help one another. Mm -hmm. Yep. Cancer is so, it just like derails your whole life plan. Like it's like no one has time for cancer. And the reality of that setting into your mind is so hard. You know what I mean? And like to watch my mom and my mother-in-law and to, for me to like wrap my brain around what's happening. And so to hear you like openly share about this is so meaningful. And I know that so many people will just benefit from, from this. So, so anyways, yes, go back to, go back to your story. My story gets even crazier. So, so a week prior to me finding out that I had cancer, my husband found out that he got this job with Southwest in Texas. So we were living in Utah at the time had all my great doctors that I was comfortable with loved there in Utah, found out about the breast cancer. And so we were like, well, we're just going to start chemo here. He's going to have to start training in Texas. We prayed about it. Like I'm, I'm really careful with sharing this because it like, it's so sacred to me, but I'm going to share it. The night that I was diagnosed with cancer, I had my state president and Bishop who our state president was in our ward at the time. They both came over together to, and gave me a blessing. And um, that blessing has been like 
I mean, even today, like I, it's just my lifeline. Like I was, I was told things leading up to cancer. Like I had had these dreams this is going to sound crazy, but like I had had these dreams about where I was like being taught basically the plan of salvation. Like it was dreams of me, like in the pre-existence being told that I was going to come to earth and that my life wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be really hard, but the whole purpose was so that I could find the savior, but find him because he was the one that was talking to me in my dream. And so, so anyway, as, as I was or given this blessing, everything that he said, he talked about the plan of salvation and about how, who I was prior to coming here. It fit the, the dream. It, it was like a way for God to, to let me know this was coming from him. It wasn't coming from the state president. It wasn't coming from the bishop. This was coming directly from God. This is what he wanted me to know. And so he he told me that I wasn't going to die from this because, you know, you hear stage four, you're like, oh, well, that's it. You know, he let me know that I wasn't going to die and that things were going to be okay. And so so I, I feel like I, that's important to know so that you can understand like why I would move my family <laughs> across the country in the middle of this crazy experience. So I started chemo and Brian moved to Texas. We waited till the kids were out of school. And then I, we closed on our house here in Texas the day after they got out of school. So we moved to Texas. My parents drove all of our stuff. They were huge, huge help at that time. And I just flew with the kids. And then I had to fly back for chemo like three days after we had moved to there. And then we knew that that, that wasn't going to work because I was so sick from the chemo that to fly in a plane was like the last thing that I wanted to do. There are so many little miracles along the way, but my, my oncologist in Utah, when he was, he went to the Mayo Clinic, but he was debating on the Mayo Clinic and then UT Southwestern here in Dallas, which is a big, huge research hospital. And so he was very familiar with UT Southwestern. So he was like, well, I know where you're going. And he's like, I, I will find you someone. And so he was able to like really smoothly transition me into my, my treatment here in Dallas. And so I, I was able to get that done and then start radiation. And then not to mention, you know, you lose your hair. There's so many trials within the cancer trial. Like you lose your hair and you lose like, like I lost my breasts and um, I did reconstruction surgery later on, but there was complications. So that had to be like extended out. And so, um, so that so much of my identity or what I thought was my identity was gone. I, I needed to know who I was. And so I, I feel like there's so much power in knowing like where we came from and why we're here on earth and then where we're going like in the next life. Like that, it means so much to me. And I, I know that when they say that if you endure to the end, you know, we've been promised that we're going to be blessed. Mm-hmm. I just know with my whole heart that that's true because it's been it's been taught to me through like personal revelation through my, through these experiences that I've had. I can't even tell you like how meant to be is that we're having this conversation because it's just going through this experience with my mother-in-law. It's been really hard for me. It was so loud in my mind, but you discussing that of you know, it takes you, we think that this is our identity, our hair and our, like all these things. And to really, truly know like who we are as children of a heavenly father and how our hair and things that don't really matter, 
it's just, I don't know. It resonates with me so much. And I'm just, I feel like Heavenly Father orchestrated this to happen just at the perfect time to have you on the podcast. So just thank you so much. <laughs> it's so sad that like we, we tie so much of like our identity to our, our appearance because, mm -hmm. you know, and since then it's taught me so many life lessons. I can't even like tell you, but, um, you know, moving here bald. Yeah. It's like a whole experience in and of itself. Cause I thought I would go to church and everyone would be like, welcoming you know and it wasn't like that it was like people were kind of like I was like the elephant in the room you know like people weren't like drawn to me they were just kind of like or walking on their tiptoes like around me and so that was really hard to do it and like being where I'm at now and I get it because like you know I've met people since that have been through this and I, I've never really known anybody that had gone through this prior than, than me so so it's helped me to have like so much more compassion and empathy towards towards all like walks of life and just people in general if we all had gone through this kind of an experience like our world would be like in a so much better place <laughs> like just knowing knowing who we are mm -hmm. I agree 100% what happened after that you had this experience you moved to Dallas you you have no hair, you're going to church and, you know, how did you make it through that? Like, how did you make it through that experience? This is so interesting. So one of my first callings that I was given, it was right after radiation, but I still had like two more surgeries. I was called into young women's and I, I don't think that it was, I mean, I would like to say I helped, but like, I don't think that it was for the young women. I think it was for me. You know, they've, they've completely changed the program to where they they focus on like the four knowledge, your spirituality, your physical health, and your social health. And so for me, setting goals, like with my young women to basically learn how to live again, I, I remember like being put back on my feet, you know, after treatment's over, it's, I mean, Treatment for me is never over because I actually go every three weeks for maintenance treatments. But the initial, after the initial treatments were over, it was like I was being back on my feet. Like, okay, now go go live in the world again. After I'd been like eternal perspective for so long. You know how like return missionaries sometimes come home from their missions and they're a little bit weird? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like that because I was like, I don't know how to. I don't know how to be me, you know, like, I don't know what I'm interested in. Like, I don't know, like, I'm trying to figure this out. And so I really feel like it was, it was inspired that I was placed into young women's where I could set these goals with my young women. And I, I started to run again and I started to just set goals for myself to where I could just live and find out who I am and, and what I like to do and who I, who I want to be after cancer, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Tell us more about like how it was, you know, you're going through these things with the young women's doing those goals and setting those goals. How was that for you to like, try to have a normal life again after that? I imagine that there's a certain amount of anxiety that comes with, yes. I mean, I see it in my mother-in-law. She actually came to our house yesterday and she was absolutely just terrified. And it really was so heartbreaking to see her 
And, um, and so that's why I'm just like, it's so coincidental that we're doing this today. Well, not coincidental. It is so divinely orchestrated that we were doing this today because we just saw her yesterday and it was really hard. And I'm just, it's like, I don't even know what to ask. I have so many things to ask. Like, so how would you recommend that somebody deal with the anxiety of being so close on, you know, just knowing that like life is so so fragile. fragile. I can totally understand that. And I, I used to Google in my, late at night, I would put the, the covers over my head because I was, you know, thought it would like protect me from death or something. I don't know. But like, I would just Google like all the dark thoughts that I had. What does it feel like to die from cancer? You know, like, I, it'd be so embarrassing if I like showed <laughs> my Google history during that time. But um, definitely so much anxiety from from all that and like not knowing but I think it's a process and it's time over time like I've been able to put things into perspective and like really understand because at the time like going through the treatments and stuff and not knowing like even though I was told that like in my blessing that I wasn't going to die it still was like but what if like but what if that was wrong like what you know what if you start having these second doubts and I think that from that fear and just and turning it to faith and like just not not focusing on the things I can't control. So like I, I remember on my my little Instagram, I, I like made this little story about things I can control and like things I can't control. And so like things that I can control is I I can control that I am going to wake up and put on my cutest outfit and like be happy with like what I'm going to wear today. You know, it sounds silly, but as opposed to like, I'm going to wake up and be like depressed because I have four doctor's appointments to go to. Plus I got to juggle, you know, all of all the things we have so much control over our outlook than we think. And so I, I think that that's like what has helped the most is just keeping things into perspective not letting the little things get to me, but, but I've heard from multiple cancer patients, you know, we, we don't sweat the small stuff, which kind of, it drives my husband crazy. Things that he will stress about. I'm like, that is not a big deal. No big deal. Like we're fine. And so I've had to learn how to be compassionate to him and, and like, let him feel those emotions. Cause he, he hasn't, even though he's like my spouse, like he hasn't been through the exact same experiences that I have to have the same outlook. So how do you maintain positivity when you said you're going for, for maintenance every three weeks and are you, do you, how long do you have to do that for? So I have to do that um, indefinitely because my type of cancer 20 years ago, like there wasn't the treatments for it that they have today. So it would have been a death sentence 20 years ago, but now because of where they've come, they know the type of protein that feeds my type of cancer. So I'm on a, a, a blocker that keeps my body from producing that protein. And then also they know like what hormones feed my cancer. So I'm on a blocker produces my body from creating those hormones. So those are the types of medications that I'm on. Like one is, is through an infusion, like it goes through my port. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I have to go in to, to have that treatment done, but it's, it takes about it's, it takes about four hours, but it's like a 30 minute IV bag, but they have to do like all the lab work and everything to get that treatment. 
So after chemo, they have to monitor your heart really well because one of the side effects to chemo is that it will cause your, it, it can cause heart failure. My heart had declined, I think 50% and above, 50% is on the lower end, but anything above 50% functioning is um, considered normal. And my heart was functioning at 40%. And so I was at like a really high risk for heart failure. Mm. And so I had, I, I was seeing a cardiologist, which I still see him all the time. And I have those heart tests every, I was having them every three months, but I just graduated to every six months because we've been able to keep it steady. So they had to put me on two heart medications just to like boost the function. And then um, also I do cardio like every day to try to like help my, my heart. So, and now it's functioning. Um, I think the last test, it was like 56%. So, so it's pretty, yeah. Do you ever ask yourself like, why me? God, why me? Or like, how have you come to like be spiritually okay with this, with this path that you've been given? Okay. So it's so funny that you say that I did do that. Like with the first, my first round with cancer and then this one, it's, it's almost like, I know why, like in order for me to be who I am today, I had to go through what I've been through. I recently went with the missionaries to, we have this couple from Africa that just walked into church and we're like, they're not members, but they were like, this is our new church. Like we sign us up, like we're ready to join. We've been getting to know them. And it's so interesting because she's, they're from Zimbabwe. I'm from Peace in Utah. Like I, you know, like so much of a culture change, but I, I went with the missionaries to go meet with her last Sunday as we were sitting there, like we were just talking and I learned that she's a cancer survivor. I'm a cancer survivor in ward council. Like the, the sisters were talking about who they were, you know, meeting with and, and things. And so I was like, I feel like I need to go with you today. And they were like, yes, that's perfect. Cause we didn't have anyone to take take us and so I went with them and then like we just connected on this cancer level you know that mm -hmm. and so I I really feel like I'm here in Texas for a reason like I don't think that I would be the same person that I am but I definitely feel like I am around people that that I need to be around at this time mm -hmm. I love that so much what advice would you give to somebody that just found out that they're diagnosed with cancer and a serious type of cancer that has a high chance of reoccurrence and all the things, what advice would you give them? Hands down, I would tell them to start a gratitude journal day one, because I mean, it sounds so simple, but it is so profound and it is so necessary to keep your mind positive. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can always find things to be positive for. And, and like, if you go back to my journal, when I was sick, like some of it seems silly. Like I would be like happy for the bird that was like sitting on the tree. But the fact that I like would stop and like notice a bird on a tree is like amazing in of itself because, you know, we get so busy in our lives that we don't stop and like enjoy the little things in life. And I feel like cancer has taught me to like really slow down and, and find those exciting things to, that bring me joy. Mm -hmm. I like a bird on a tree. I love that so much. That's so beautiful. What else do you want to share with listeners today? 
I just want to share that I, I know that a lot of people are struggling like with their faith. I know like a lot of people in my own life are struggling. And I just, I just want to share that you're, you're validated in your, your feelings and your thoughts. And that I just hope that you don't give up before it gets better because it always gets better. Love that. I love that so much. I think your story is so beautiful. And I mean, like the story of you getting called into young women's and like the goals and how that helped you. It's just, I think what your story has taught me is that we, no matter what hard things we have and we're faced with in life, God works all things to the good of those who love him. You said that like, you are who you are today because of your cancer and it's part of who you are. And I think it's like my drug addiction past, which was a self-inflicted, you know, that has, despite all the pain and the heartache and the jails and the trauma, and it has made me who I am today. And I think that it's really inspiring to just hear that because it's like, I mean, with my mother-in-law, we're just like at the very beginning stages of it, you know, and to hear that there is a purpose behind it. And if you look for that purpose in it, and if you turn to heavenly father. Yeah. Something that, um, that I was thinking of when you were talking is we have, I have a brother-in-law that's been a drug addict for over 20 years and he, he's been sober now, I think for three years before anything you know that I had gone through I used to judge him so hard because I was like how could you do this and like now I feel like that judgment has been like taken away from me like it's been like lifted up because who who am I to judge and I also know what pain feels like and I know that like drug, drug addicts you know they they go through their things because they are feeling some kind of pain and and I think that like you know in this world like we need compassion for each other because we are all feeling something. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I just think like when I'm interviewing people, when I'm hearing their stories, it's like, everybody is going through something. Everybody has something in their life that they are going through or that they're healing from. If it's so important for us to remember that as we're like walking into a church building where people all look like they have it all together. And it's like, Everyone has something that they're going through or healing from or facing. I mean, just to think this is what life is all about is going through these trials and enduring them and finding Heavenly Father's love in difficult challenges. Yeah, I think too, like when we go to church, I've all, I really look at church as a hospital right? And like, you've got like all the employees of the hospital, which are like different callings. And then you've got like the, the patients, which are the members. And then you have like our, our head of our hospital, who is our savior, Jesus Christ. And he can heal us in ways that like, no one else can. And so that, that to me is like, like, I just want to be a disciple of Christ. Like that is like my whole purpose in like church and, and religion and, and things is I, I just, I know my savior and I love him and I just want to like bring others to him so they can feel that same comfort and peace that he, he gives. I love that. Well, Ellie, do you have anything else that you want to add before we wrap up here? Is there anything else you want to add or 
anything you want to leave listeners with? I think, I think we, we touched on it all. Your story is so beautiful. And I am so grateful that we had you on the podcast. It's so meant to be and just perfect timing, perfect timing. And thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. And good luck with your mother-in-law and all, all that. I know that's like so hard. And and one thing that I will tell you is the best thing that you guys can do for her is just show her, show up for her every day and just like constantly let her know that you are aware of her. Because people will ask me, they'll be like, what can I give my um, loved one that, that has cancer or whatever? I'm like, your time. Like, that's all that they want. They want connections. They don't want things. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. That's such good advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so great to have you. Okay. You're welcome. Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.